0: Welcome to Super Sentai Buddies. This is episode 13 of The Spider-Man Who Loved Me, a podcast dedicated to the Toei production of Spider-Man. Every week, we watch an episode of the show and share our thoughts with you, the listener. My name is producer Mark. With me, as always, is my co-host and buddy, Brian. Brian, how you doing?
1: Ah, not, not bad.
0: <laughs> we had an interesting experience last night. We, along with Matt Jay and some of our other... Uh, retrograde Orbit family uh, got together digitally to watch Bill and Ted face the music. Mm-hmm. And that was quite a ride.
1: It it was a real fun, real dumb time. <laughs>
0: that, that is a very accurate way to sum it up. Real fun, real dumb, surprisingly emotional in places, but that yep. might just be because we've all been trapped inside for five months, so... <laughs> uh,
1: I mean... I. You know, it's. I would say it's about as uneven as Bogus Journey, Yep. uh, but possibly with higher highs.
0: I think that's fair, yeah. And it was just, it was charming. It was, Bill and Ted as characters are very earnest, and I appreciated Mm -hmm. that they stuck with that. That the characters still just felt like two dudes trying to do their best, and I like that very much.
1: Yeah, and I, I really liked how, you know, Bill still has all this earnestness and it really is Ted who's like I I don't know, you know, if if what we're doing makes sense anymore. <laughs> right. And that that comes through like throughout the movie.
0: It is I don't even know how to grapple with the implications of the fact that the third act hinges on Bill and Ted having to forgive death. Yeah. They have to confront and forgive death. Right. And there's just so much to unpack there, but it's just like it rides so easily across the surface. You're not sure if it's actually saying anything deeper or not.
1: uh, You know, the movie is just, it's earnest. It's goofy. It's dumb in good ways. Yep. And I... Look, it might be the movie that 2020 needs right now.
0: <laughs> the, uh, the character of Billy. Mm-hmm. Wait, I have that backwards. The character of Thea was played by Samantha Weaving, who is apparently the niece of Hugo Weaving.
1: Do you have that backwards?
0: Yeah, because they named their kids after each other. Bill's daughter is named Ted and Ted's daughter is named Bill.
1: Right, of course.
0: <laughs> so Samantha Weaving is the daughter of Hugo Weaving, a fact I did not put together until after we watched the movie, and I was watching some of the special features that uh, were included with the purchase of the movie. And in an interview, Samantha Weaving was talking about what it was like to work with Keanu, who is, you know, this famous and well-established actor at this point. And she said, yeah, well, you know, I didn't, like, I'd never really interacted with him before, but I knew he killed Uncle Hugh and it took a beat for that to sort of settle in. Oh <laughs> yeah. Yeah, your your uncle was in the Matrix with him. That's right.
1: Yes. Back <laughs> back during that time when Hugo Weaving was just making all the money from all of the trilogies.
0: Yeah, he was just in all of the important things for a while. It was incredible. Yeah. So yeah, that was it was a real fun time. A completely unexpected and very fun time. We are I guess we should mention this. We are doing the podcast this week because Dave J is in his first week back to school. And I think Matt and Dave mentioned this at the end of last week's episode I can't recall. Yeah. But the first I, week back way, to school is just aware. is an insane time for teachers like in normal years. And this is a very abnormal year. So Dave just, you know, he knew there was no possible way he would be able to record this week, so here you and I are hitting about, I think, the quarter pole, by the way, for uh, Spider-Man.
1: Uh, yeah, we are We are to episode 13, and we had already watched the movie, and uh, not counting the movie, there are 41 episodes of this television show. Yeah, so, so we're,
0: we're a little more than 25% through.
1: Yes, which is... Farther than I expected us to get.
0: <laughs> so this week, Brian, we are going to watch episode 13, The Skull Group versus the Devilish Hearse.
1: Yeah, that's roughly what uh, what my subtitles told me as well.
0: <laughs> a title that promises a lot. I'm not sure it delivers on it. It does not. But before we get into that, Brian, Shining mm-hmm. in the Heavens... There are five stars, and as is our want, we're not going to do a what have we been up to this week set of five stars. We talk about that over on our other podcast, Mount Olympus right. The answer by the way, is not much. It would not be exciting if we <laughs> if we did those if we we,
1: <laughs> we weren't terribly exciting before the no. quain
0: times. <laughs> It would just be, honestly, us doing our own Bun Vulcan, because just yeah. all of us are baking bread now. It, it, it's just what has happened.
1: I'm proofing bread right this minute.
0: <laughs> but instead, usually because we don't know when these episodes will air, we just pick a topic for fun and we talk about our, our top fives. Yes. It so happens that we do know when this will air, and that will be three hours from now if I edit quickly. <laughs> but... In keeping with our traditional theme, uh, we are picking a top five, and this week we're going to do Top Five Fruits.
1: Sure. One of the keys to selecting a top five is, well, we have to record tonight. How easily can you just list five things off the top of your head and go with it?
0: Yeah, it is very much of a how long has it been since we've done food? Can we do another food one? (laughs) And the answer is yes, we can do another food one. Here we are. We're going to talk about our top five. Free- and this is genuinely one. I don't know that we get much engagement on Twitter when you and I host this show. I imagine because most of the listeners just like pause when they hear me talking instead of Matt.
1: Right. they I I mean, I, you know, there are ones and twos of listeners who actually listen to our podcast more than they do this one (laughs) Um, that uh, I've looked at the numbers. That is not generally the case.
0: (laughs) But yeah, so this is what I would earnestly like to hear from listeners on because there are some wild fruits out there. And my choices, I'll be honest, are pretty mundane.
1: You want to hear from the listeners what their favorite fruits are, not should we just air no episode rather than having us two Jamokes do one
0: gotcha. i mean i'll take that if they if they want to email in to tell us to get off the air
1: nope it's too late we're committed <laughs> to doing this spider man television show because i'm gonna need to watch through all of it so i'm not
0: saying i'll listen i am saying i might call you out by name the next time <laughs> just to let you know that we're back
1: look this is this is 2020 let's not invite hate mail <laughs>
0: That's a good point. That's a very good point. You know what? This year's a real bummer. Please don't give me another thing to be upset about.
1: Just be excellent to each other and tell us your favorite fruits. Go!
0: Right, right. So, Brian, what is your number one fruit for this week? Are we your star which, fruit, I guess. Which, what is your first, what's the first are, star fruit this
1: week? I mean, which way are we doing this? Are we counting five to one or one to five?
0: Oh, do I have to rank them by preference? Oh, no. I, I thought that's what we were. We often do. You're right. Yeah. All right. Let's start at the bottom then. What is right. what is the fifth star fruit of the week?
1: So I'm going to go with cranberry. We had... okay. Uh, it may seem like we didn't have a pre-meat on this, but we definitely <laughs> did. Because we had to decide whether or not we were only dealing with the raw fruit or we were allowing juices and jams and jellies. And let me tell you, cranberry cranberry is everything. Cranberry has infiltrated every single juice market that exists. Sure. And, you know, honestly, just a good glass of cranberry juice is still a delight. Ah, that's that tartness?
0: Yeah. I am with you on that. Cranberry is one of those juices and there's a reason. Is it, is it Brian Regan or, or someone had a a bit on that? One of those stand ups had a bit on cranberry being everywhere. But yep. there's a reason for it, and it's because cranberry's delicious and it tastes delicious when merged with lots of other things.
1: Right. It it adds it adds sort of a strong bounce to other juices. And if you can just drink straight cranberry juice, that is also an experience. Yeah. Um, Just drink it more and more concentrated until...
0: Until you're you're just just drinking, like, pure cranberry extract.
1: I mean, I don't know if you have ever had just I have only uns-
0: because once we went to a store together and you purchased two bottles that I swear were like nine bucks a piece and gave me one of them
1: uh, yeah the pure um I don't know if they were nine dollars a piece it wasn't uh concentrate it was though unsweetened cranberry juice right yep and that's I yeah I mean I I'm not gonna say I drink it all the time but uh, from time to time i've I've been known to give it a a swig. That's like,
0: c- cranberry is interesting in that it is one that by itself, raw, I'm not real keen on. I I know some people really like mm-hmm. like a a good fresh cranberry. Yep. Dried cranberries are a thing, like cranberry sauce is a thing, cranberry juice is a yep. thing. Like a raw cranberry I don't love, but the cranberry really glows up. Yeah. That is a very good pick.
1: And I think we need to keep it moving, or else we'll be on cranberries all day long. What is your number five?
0: <laughs> Coming in at a solid, respectable number five is the strawberry. Mm-hmm. Which I know is just sort of like, is it fair to call strawberry like the workman berry? Like, it's yeah, just, it's just—it's a journeyman fruit.
1: Yeah, I mean, you, you know, what do you put on things? Uh, typically strawberries. What are you going to put under some whipped cream? Strawberries.
0: Right, it's one of the best by itself. Like a strawberry, just uh, straight from the uh, from the plant, is very good. Yep. A little bit of sugar, or by itself, strawberry is. It's never going to be as exciting to me as some of the ones higher on this list, mm-hmm. but it's always great when you have strawberry, and a fresh strawberry, especially in season, fresh strawberries—they're just delightful.
1: Yeah, I have to say of all of the wild fruit I've I've seen, you know, in the wild, mm-hmm. you always love to come across wild strawberries. It's true.
0: Here's a question for you vis-à-vis the cranberry discussion. Mhm. Cranberries we said glow up real well. Mhm. Is strawberry the complete opposite of that?
1: You mean does it lose its luster when mixed with other
0: things? Is it is it I feel like strawberry is generally most enjoyable, like raw and maybe with Mm -hmm. some sugar or, you know, with some whipped cream or on top of something. But you're still always consuming the strawberry in its like base form.
1: The I I will say in general, you're probably right. Like there's not I mean, I would certainly try if someone was selling me strawberry juice. I would try that but even when it's mixed with other juices it's very much a background flavor yeah like when you have that orange banana strawberry you don't taste any strawberry in that you taste bananas primarily and then orange after that true the the exception i will say is a good strawberry milkshake
0: that's fair that's a good point things like milkshakes and smoothies like stuff in that space that's probably where the strawberry shines good call yep. All right, Brian, what is the fourth star fruit of the week? So I'm going to go with
1: a good Honeycrisp or a Granny Smith apple. I mean, we're picking apples, but let's be specific. Sure. There are plenty of apples that aren't worth it, but the Honeycrisp, it is worth that price. It is delicious and uh, a good sour apple.
0: That's I am with you, especially a on a sour apple. Yeah. An apple is a fruit I feel like that gets unnecessarily knocked low on a lot of lists, especially in America, because we've really just butchered the common apple.
1: Right, because red and yellow delicious apples are nothing of the sort. Yeah, they're garbage apples. Like, we had had to go and crossbreed everything until eventually you're like, oh, Honeycrisp, this is an apple that tastes like something. It has an amazing (laughs) crunch.
0: But I'm with you, a good tart apple with that very specific apple crisp, Mm -hmm. there's very little in the sort of texture world that has the same mouthfeel as biting into an apple, and it's great.
1: Yeah. So what is your number four?
0: Number four for me, and I went back and forth between watermelon and cantaloupe. I settled on watermelon.
1: That's probably the right call.
0: I feel like I love basically any melon. I like a melon fruit in any variety.
1: I mean... So does that, Honeydew runs way behind there, right? Oh yeah,
0: Honeydew's bringing up the back of the list, but I'll okay. still take it.
1: Yeah, I mean I'll take it as well. But let's let's be honest. Like if the only melon served is Honeydew, it's like oh oh couldn't have couldn't get any of the uh, the A list melons to show right. up today.
0: <laughs> what I really want is a good like watermelon cantaloupe, like toss together. Mm-hmm. But if I have to pick. It's ultimately going to be watermelon, and it's another one that has a weirdly specific texture, and I know the texture for some people, like, immediately turns them off of watermelon. Right. But it's particularly because it's such a summer fruit, and it's just, like, it's all water, like, that fruit is all water. Yeah. So it is delightful in, like, the middle of a hot summer to have a really good watermelon.
1: So I would say watermelon works as watermelon and watermelon works as a flavoring for candy. Mm. Waterme- like straight watermelon juice, like as a juice beverage, not all that exciting. It, it's lacking something.
0: You may have stumbled on an interesting point here. I think you've turned around my strawberry discussion on me because in fact, watermelon is more accurately the fruit that is best like by itself. Watermelon is great. Yeah. But no one's, like, out there making, you know, watermelon sauce to go with Thanksgiving dinner or well, whatever.
1: I, I mean, I think part of it is when you bite into a crisp watermelon and it's cold and yeah. delightful, somehow the juice never tastes as cold and crisp as biting into an actual watermelon does. Very
0: true. Very true. So. Something about the delivery vehicle. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, I'll take any melon. You can give me anything in that family and I'll be very happy. But I think watermelon is sort of the peak of it for me. Mm -hmm. What, Brian, is the third star fruit of the week?
1: I'm going to go with, and the caveat on this is if someone else has prepared it, mango.
0: Okay. Okay. I mean,
1: I, I own a mango slicer. Sure. But man, are those things sort of a pain to actually slice up. But uh, sliced mango is, it's its really a rare treat. It's, it's a delight.
0: I like a good mango. I rarely have one. And it may be because, as you say, by the time you need a specialized tool yeah. to take it apart. But everything in that sort of family, and I don't have any representatives of it on my list, but the kind of pit fruits. Mm-hmm are all very good. Yeah. Mango's a good choice to represent them. Yep.
1: What is uh, your number three?
0: Matt, so now we're going to break into citrus, and I'll be honest, I could have almost gone one through five in the citrus families.
1: I mean, they're just so ubiquitous.
0: (laughs) They are. You know, what are you going to have? But number three for me is the Humble lemon.
1: Okay, well, I think uh, the listeners are going to need an explanation. Are you just uh, sucking down lemons raw?
0: <laughs> I do, in fact. I've, I enjoy a good, like, I'll just slice up a lemon and eat it as though it were an orange.
1: That is a bridge too far for me, although I will say if I get the lemon slice, I will definitely uh, squeeze that and suck on a lemon slice out of a drink. But
0: Lemon I put on here for similar reasons that you did, Cranberry. While mm-hmm. I love a good lemon by itself... Lemon is incredibly versatile, and it's one of my favorite just, like, straight flavors. I love the flavor of lemon. Yeah. As you say, even squeezed into a glass of water, but in a whole bunch of different, like, desserts, in a lot of, like, savory meals, lemon can give it a good tartness. I love the versatility of a lemon. So that's yeah. why it's my uh, my citrus entry here.
1: And it's it's got to be real hard to beat a lemonade for a refreshing yeah. quotient.
0: Yeah, boy. That is absolutely right. All right. Time, Brian. She is a moving on. So what is star fruit number two?
1: Uh, I'm going to go with cherries. <laughs> now- As that is my last name. That is something that has amused you greatly for the last 20 years.
0: Delights me to no end that you love cherries.
1: uh, Cherry juice, cherries uh, in ice cream, Mm -hmm. uh, just raw cherries. They're they're all delicious. I'm talking both sweet and tart. I like them both.
0: (laughs) That is a thing cherries should get credit for. It's got entries on both sides of the sweet and tart fence.
1: Yeah. I'm a, I'm a little little more iffy on like a cherry pie, but that's more an aversion to fruit pies in general.
0: And your dislike of the band warrant? Yeah,
1: well, you know, look, we we had a falling out. but, <laughs> but Yeah, I mean, and, and also, like all of these, uh, makes makes a real good juice. Uh, I, I don't know how to say this, but I probably out of our entire circle, consume the most juice
0: it's true you love a fruit juice
1: I I do love a fruit juice my my teeth and my blood sugar probably don't love that fruit <laughs> juice as much but that's juice is so much better than anything else to drink
0: <laughs> yeah I mean it's literally nature's sugar of course it's great
1: yeah it's all good <laughs> what uh what's what's what do you have at number two there
0: staying in the citrus lane I'm going grapefruit
1: Mm, It's another fine juice
0: grapefruits a delicious juice and it's another one that uh, carefully paired can be really good with other things, too, Mm -hmm. but also just like cutting a grapefruit in half and going at it with a fork and a little bit of sugar. Love it. Grapefruit is a bit of a pain to eat. It's not as hand like its compartments don't peel as easily as some I of mean, the other citruses.
1: There are specific specialized tools for eating grapefruit, so
0: right. But all you really need is to cut it open and have a, a spoon, and you're fine.
1: Yeah, yeah. It it's just a little more work than I actually want. From I agree from- with that.
0: I do agree with that. It's a little annoying to put in the effort, but I just love it. Much like the Leban, I love that tartness so very much.
1: It is it is pretty great, and I drink so much great. Fringes. And it is
0: also what I don't know if this is universal, but mm-hmm. in the high school in the junior high where I grew up, our uh, vocational agricultural students. So our high school, I presume this is true, kind of universally, has like a college prep track. It has a vocational technical track. It had a vocational agricultural track, and our vocational agricultural track. Mm-hmm as a fundraiser yearly, would sell just boxes of oranges and grapefruits. And so just like once a year, you get a presuming you took advantage of said fundraiser. Right. Uh, you just get like a giant box of grapefruit to show up in your house. So good.
1: We they... still do that
0: because my father-in-law teaches at that high school. So still yearly, we get in on that giant box of grapefruit.
1: Yeah, Are they sold by some equivalent of a bushel?
0: I believe that is the case, yes.
1: Okay, because this is gonna lead into my number one. Yeah, what
0: is your uh number one star fruit?
1: My number one is the humble navel orange. Ooh. Like, just oranges are always good.
0: Oranges I, are always welcome. I am with you.
1: I mean, as you know, get the get the seedless oranges, you just tear into that and just eat them by the slice. I mean, orange juice is obviously you know, a real heavy staple yep. of breakfast. A prince
0: among juices,
1: right? But uh, just just eating an orange, it's it is a delight. It's it's a real easy go to fruit. Yeah, um, it's an orange is a good serving size of how much fruit you should probably be eating at good. any one point.
0: It's good at breakfast. It's good at lunch. I wouldn't. It's eat good it at supper down. time. Yeah. I wouldn't even turn down an orange for dessert a lot of times because it's it's got that good sweet tart balance. Yeah.
1: Oh, it's a it's a wonderful snack. I'll probably have one after this podcast. It's oranges are great. And how that ties to the other thing is I thought I knew how many oranges came in like three fifths of a bushel. Sure. And uh they don't prepare you for how many oranges actually come in three-fifths of a <laughs> bushel. I it's it is an astoundingly large number of oranges.
0: It is. Yeah, because you jumped that, in. that The, yeah. the sub, this aforementioned fundraiser also offered naval oranges, and you jumped in on that for a year or two.
1: Right, right, right. Um, and I hear you're still doing that. So maybe, you know, you should hook me up with getting yeah, yeah. some oranges. But uh, I feel a little betrayed after all these years. <laughs> but uh, where, where that leads back to is I probably still ate two-fifths of a bushel of oranges. Yeah.
0: Oranges are so good. And they even are? like your Clementines or mm-hmm. your like anything in that sort of orange citrus fit I mean, obviously I like all citrus. I'm predisposed right. to citrus. It's high on my list. But I like all of that. Yep. The upshot to the good old fashioned naval orange, as you say, is it's a good serving size. You want yep. you want a fistful of Clementines.
1: Yep. And now As time continues to tick on, (laughs) what is your number one uh, star fruit?
0: I think this has come up on this very podcast before. If not, it's come up somewhere in the podcast family. It's the black raspberry.
1: Yeah, you have you have a problem.
0: I have a yeah, a deep affinity for black raspberry that as far as I can suss out is deeply tied to like. My father's love of black raspberry and like very early childhood memories of like stomping around the the hills of eastern Ohio going black raspberry hunting. Like there's a lot of specific sort of personal history tied up into it, but also it's just really good. Again, it's that sweet tart balance that I've been talking about across several of them. I also love the crunch of a seed. I know a lot of people are turned off from black raspberries because they have harsh seeds and I get it.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure everything on my list. I actively try to avoid seeded things.
0: Oh, I love crunching into those black raspberry seeds. I like like grinding them between my teeth to feel them pop. That's so. And here's the thing with black raspberries. I like black raspberry everything. Like, give me a black raspberry cake, a black raspberry smoothie, a black raspberry preserve. However, they're best on their own. Like, just a regular old straight off the bush black raspberry. So I will rarely have it in any other form because for me, it is not worth the trade. Like in order to get jam, I have to lose black raspberries so they can become jam. And I like them best in the black raspberry form. Uh, the only exception to that being black raspberry pie.
1: Ah, uh, I was going to say, I'm like, well, wait a minute.
0: Okay. And the trick yep. with that is it's because the way we make our pie, most pies are heavy on sugar and, you know, maybe flour and like a good fruit pie pie often becomes like a gel with the fruit in it, like a strawberry pie. Even an apple pie has a lot of uh, like jelly or jam kind of within it. Mm-hmm. Our black raspberry pie, no kidding, is like a quart of berries. And we have refined it all the way down to like a tablespoon of sugar and a tablespoon of flour, like just enough to make that pie stand up. Mm-hmm. And it is just hot raspberries in a delicious pie crust.
1: Nice. Before before we move on, I did want to throw out an honorable munchin. Yep, yep. As as the boys over on Off Menu like to say. Yep. Uh, and that is to the pomegranate, which mm. did not make the list because while it is delicious, I would like to pay someone to actually pull the pomegranate fruit out of the pomegranate. I've yeah. bought one in my life, and that was more effort than I wanted to take. To get a bowl out and then remove all of those fruits so I can yep. eat them by the handful. Look, if someone is going to do that for me, then pomegranate does definitely make this list. <laughs> but that's that's a whole lot of work.
0: <laughs> I will throw a quick side note to elderberries. Never had them. I, I don't particularly love an elderberry by itself, but my high school English teacher used to make elderberry juice. And it was a very specific and weird and very enjoyable thing.
1: Where 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 are these elderberries acquired?
0: I don't know. I presume somewhere local-ish because he made it all of like every year.
1: I mean, we need to, we need to find this out and see if there's like wild fruits that are hitherto unknown to us.
0: Yeah, I'll investigate that. <laughs> anyway, and speaking of investigating elderberries, <laughs> speaking of investigations. Brian, it's time to watch episode thirteen: the Skull Group versus the Devilish Hearse.
1: Do we do that kind of transition on this show? I'm unaware. Uh,
0: we do now. Okay. It's a little bit of Mount Olympus flavor over here. So we're going to watch the episode, uh, and we will be right back. Change the pod off! and we are back. Brian, uh, uh, how? How is Spider-Man?
1: Spider-Man is raw?
0: (laughs) Spider-Man is sad, I think. Yep. What is... How did this episode strike you? Um, Before we even get into it, just... How how did you deal with this episode? uh,
1: Well, I've watched enough Spider-Man to know that as the arc was going and going, I'm like, there's going to be some level of tragedy here. Because nothing ever works out in this universe. No. Like, uh, it, things work out badly for people. But even I was not prepared knowing that for how badly this one was going to turn out.
0: I am so conditioned by the media I grew up on, which is to say 80s and 90s childhood media.
1: Right. Of the United States.
0: Of the of the United States, very specifically. I am so conditioned to recognize the beats of a story. Mm-hmm. So you see things like this episode developing, and your brain tells you, Oh, I know how this is going to end because I know how children's television works. Yeah. And that is not whatever happens in Spider-Man. And one of these days, I'm going to stop. Expecting anything to happen in Spider-Man, because it's just it's unpredictable.
1: Look, I I predicted a level of tragedy that I underestimated.
0: <laughs> so so let's get into it. Cause we're gonna open this episode with Professor Monster and the Amazonist, who I think might get more screen time than they typically do in an episode.
1: Yeah, they are more central to this episode. Uh, talking about their facility in South America, because apparently Professor Monster has, like, a worldwide network.
0: Yeah, they're international, baby. The Iron Cross Army is international. Yeah. And this episode, we get just a very brief minute of, uh, I think, Shinko and Takuji and no Hitomi at all, as I recall. That is correct. But we get a lot of Professor Monster and the Amazonas, who... At the opening of the episode are looking with barely concealed glee at a very bored chameleon. Yes. This is the least exciting chameleon I have ever seen. Look,
1: we're going to spend a lot of time forgetting that this chameleon is heavily involved. <laughs> did
0: they did they just like sedate the chameleon before they started filming?
1: Yeah, I he's he's real chill.
0: Well, I mean, I guess that's what you want if you are shooting a television show.
1: This is true. You do not want rocking chameleon.
0: <laughs> so they've got this chameleon, as you say, sent to them from their Latin American branch. Yeah. Just delightful. I really love, not only are they international, but they've got like established locations yeah. all around the world. I want to know what's going on. Like, what is Iron Cross Army Latin America up to?
1: Um, uh, uh, Chameleons? i can't remember did they send the chameleon or did they send the the next room rack of bodies
0: oh that could be the case maybe they sent i I think it was
1: probably the chameleon but
0: (laughs) that that may be the case i like to imagine that like latin american iron cross army has their own spider-man either just like a Spider-Verse-style Latin American Spider-Man, or just like maybe a Lucha Libre wrestler.
1: I wish I could give you support to explore this further, (laughs) but that literally never crossed my mind, and I'm just having a hard time framing it, mostly because if we start framing it, that's going to be the next 30 minutes of this podcast. (laughs)
0: Listen, there was, and to some degree there still is, but in this sort of... uh, specific window of Latin American media uh, especially Mexican media there was a good window of time where uh, luchadors were just like superhero characters in their film it's real fun a lot of those old movies are really enjoyable to go back and visit there's some interesting storytelling going on there but I imagine that to be sort of similar to what Spider-Man is up to over here there's just like some crazy lucha libre wrestler out there fighting Iron Cross Latin America Sure,
1: <laughs> I just have no support to give you on this one. I am so sorry.
0: That's all right, man. I don't expect you to have like an encyclopedic knowledge of luchadors or anything.
1: I I really don't. I I didn't even see Nacho Libre.
0: That's okay. It's fine. <laughs> it's I mean it's it's fine, bordering on good sometimes.
1: That's unfortunate. <laughs> But I also don't think we have time to go down a well on a movie I did not see and then discuss how sometimes Jack Black is great and sometimes Jack Black is not.
0: That seems like the summation of the entire discussion anyway. So that seems like a good place to leave it. Like, yeah, you accurately summed up all of it. Okay, fair enough. didn't even have to have the discussion got to the bottom line. Although I am in the back of my head just going to be imagining various Iron Cross stations around the world. Uh, while we continue on with this podcast and I won't Look, I'll, I'll do my best not to actually bring it up but I, I'm going to be thinking about it and who they would be fighting in those various locations. I mean I just
1: we have so much to get through because we're not even off the first page it's and true. we're already at 36 minutes and I feel <laughs> like this is a dangerous level of headcanon to establish. Oh yeah, although, if we open this
0: box we'll spend too long examining it. Although
1: that does make it make a little more sense why Interpol is involved.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a very good point.
1: So, I mean, maybe Interpol is employing the uh, the Mexican wrestler, the Luke Chador. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like, just like Spider Man, kind of, sort of works for Interpol.
1: Yeah. Like, in
0: this, in this era, is Iron Cross Russia just like the government? Like, are they just legitimate up there? I, <sighs> Because we're in, is, like, Cold War era, right? Well, that's a good question. <laughs> or,
1: or, alternatively, is is this a threat that, that unites the, the West and the East?
0: Ooh, okay, okay. And,
1: you know, there is the equivalent of Soviet Spider-Man?
0: Oh, I like that very much, yeah. I don't know what that would be, but I like that idea a lot. <laughs> okay, all right, nope.
1: People Parker.
0: (laughs) I was just imagining it was like an anthropomorphic grizzly bear and like one of those tall Russian hats.
1: I mean, that's not really a Spider-Man theme, but.
0: No, but neither is the luchador, really. Well,
1: okay, that's fair. (laughs) See, see, I was right. We would spend too much time. yeah,
0: Yeah, we need to we need to veer back on track here because we've got some we've got some insane premises to talk about. Very right. little in terms of actual action and a whole lot of unexpected, uh, familial drama.
1: Yes, one of the things that, uh, is super weird is Professor Monster apparently doesn't care for the rack of bodies that we have, like, at the site. Yeah, to turn into a chameleon. Apparently. Professor Monster is all about selecting individuals himself, like just driving around town in his Professor Monster evil hearse.
0: This was a very weird bit of lore we suddenly learned. Number 1, I know we've seen some humans turned into uh, machine bems in the past. Right. I don't think I was aware that every machine bem is like installed into a previously existing human body?
1: Yeah, and apparently Professor Monster is usually driving around town. Yeah, uh, picking them out from his apparently very plush back of a hearse. So where, it just,
0: it just keeps rapidly escalating.
1: Where I mean, he's back there. It's it's definitely not a place where you'll have a coffin. He's just sipping wine in the back of this hearse. He's
0: got looking it out, out like window. a tiny apartment. I
1: mean, Professor Monster likes to get driven around the city in style.
0: Yeah, so so we ratchet up from a bored chameleon to... Oh, yeah, so we make all of our monsters out of humans. Okay, sure.
1: Right, okay, yep, that's an escalation.
0: We've got a room full of them that we just keep on ice. All right, that's... I, I guess that makes sense. You are an evil uh, corporation, sure, but that's still crazy. Like, there's just a room full of ready-to-use bodies next to the chameleon laboratory or whatever.
1: Yeah, they're all past their sell-by date.
0: And then the next step up is, oh yeah, Professor Monster just, as you say, enjoys collecting them personally. I believe the show says it's his secret hobby.
1: Secret hobby. The word for secret hobby is fetish. Yes,
0: that is absolutely what that is. And I wonder to what degree that is a failure of translation, and to what degree that is just a very literal translation. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. Although, I kind of want everyone in the West to replace the word fetish with the word secret hobby. <laughs> yeah. uh, what are you into? What's your secret What's your hobby? secret
0: hobby? <laughs> you know, I got a thing for high heels. High heels are my secret hobby. <laughs> <laughs> uh. so, and, so that already, okay, now that's weird. Yep, secret hobby of... Kidnapping. Yep. <laughs> which is just a crime. I don't and, know that we want to do And turning that them
1: into machine BEM. Like, that's yep. probably part of it.
0: Yep. And then the next stage, which you have accurately pointed out, is that he does it from his personalized hearse.
1: Yeah. Which they tell us is, you know, so the cops don't stop us. Right. I, uh, okay. I mean, I guess. I yeah, guess I the mean, cops don't stop hearses when they're committing crimes.
0: That is the weird implication of that to me, because the cops aren't supposed to stop any vehicles if they're not engaged in criminal activity. Now, this is America in 2020. We're very aware that that happens all the time. The cops stop people all the time. I
1: mean, mean, maybe they don't stop hearses. Maybe they just assume that that's uh, a loophole
0: of which I was never aware. You want to commit some crimes? Just get yourself a hearse.
1: Well, you know what? I know that that's not true in America because the Ghostbusters get stopped by the police all the time.
0: Yep, that's true. Okay, this is, I guess, a a weird uh, Spider Man in Japan specific loophole. Right. The cops just don't pull over hearses.
1: They don't pull over hearses.
0: And then he's got, like you say, a whole like little apartment in the back of this hearse. He's got a driver. He's got some booze. He's got a tiny table back
1: there. Honestly, is he even actually cruising to pick up people to turn them in machine BEM? Or is this is just like his relaxing hobby. He just has people drive him around while he gets drunk in the back. That could be the case. (laughs) Professor Monster's a rock star.
0: So they get accosted by a motorcycle gang. Yes, an inexplicable motorcycle gang. While they're out driving around, a sort of like ripped sleeve jean jacket spiky hair motorcycle gang?
1: Uh a the skull gang. Yeah, all of that is intimidating until what we're going to find out later is they're clearly led by a guy with a neckerchief.
0: Yeah, this guy is like what if what if Ken, like Ken, the Ken doll, Ken mm-hmm. from Barbie, Ken. Yep. What if Ken came in like the motorcycle gang Ken doll kit?
1: <laughs> I mean, look, the only person to ever halfway pull off an ascot is Fred from Scooby Doo. Yep. Yep. And that's so the list. That is the entire list.
0: There's a world where sort of like posh gutter punk motorcycle gang is a very cool mashup. It's, I it's wish not we were watching
1: guy. that world. It wasn't this. Yeah,
0: it was not uh, Maso, who is the leader of this motorcycle gang.
1: Yeah, because what's going to happen is eventually the motorcycle gang's going to run the Amazonists off the
0: road. Right. She's in like an escort car.
1: Yeah, and... um. Then they're just going to drive away. We did not immediately abduct the leader of this motorcycle gang right here and now like I thought was going to happen.
0: That, by Uh, the way, is the entirety of the title. The Skull Gang versus the Devilish Hearse. It was just like a brief highway conflict.
1: Yes. They will never like the gang will never encounter that hearse again.
0: Very disappointing. Very disappointing showdown. The title promised me much more.
1: Yes, uh, we get a very different episode from this point on.
0: Yeah, so, all right, we've set this up like, oh, crazy motorcycle gang, uh, machine BEM driving around in their hearse. Like, okay, Iron Cross Army, we got it. Cool. All right. And then when the hearse leaves, after the hearse has been accosted, the motorcycle gang go to an arcade.
1: Yeah, yeah. Which seems like a real step down.
0: It does. But I mean, what are you going to do when you're a 17-year-old rebel on the streets?
1: Guess go and hassle kids at the arcade. Yeah.
0: Yeah, That's absolutely right. So they're going to go just like bully people in the arcade. And they bully uh, Takoya a little bit.
1: Yeah. Uh, Which I would like to know, like, Takoya, why are you at the arcade?
0: Yeah, this is strange because later in the episode, like at the end of the episode it says and this only renews Takoya's uh commitment to killing Iron Cross Professor Army. Monster,
1: yeah, Professor Monster. And I don't know, maybe someday. It, Maybe it, he took the day off.
0: It tacks the word someday on the end. Like it renews his commitment to do it. Someday.
1: Yeah. I mean look, he has This is to a someday real, kind of episode. Yeah. He has to get real good at slot machines.
0: It is a funny moment, though, where Takoya is personally aggrieved that these dudes are, like, disrespecting the honorable profession of motorcycle riding.
1: Yeah. I really yeah,
0: loved that. that.
1: that is That is a weird through line in this episode.
0: <laughs> He's like, come on, motorcycle bros. Motorcycle guys are the best. We should all be being super cool together and going to races and drinking lemonade and playing at the arcade and taking care of children.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, that's Tekoya, what cool
0: motorcycle bros do.
1: Yeah, Takoya has a weird, weird sense of what cool motorcycle bros do. <laughs> he does.
0: Uh, so the motorcycle gang's going to beat up on him for a while. Yep. Which I loved because it's a very Spider-Man thing, right? It's a very staple Spider-Man activity to just get beat up by some low-level thugs.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So that felt good. That felt in kind of keeping with Spider-Man. And the leader, particularly uh, Maso, as we've mentioned earlier, he of the Ascot, Yes, is, like, going to put the boot in, and his dad, Maso's dad, just shows up out of nowhere and tries to stop the fight.
1: Yeah, I don't know why he came or wandered around. At first, I thought, does he run the arcade? And no, he apparently runs a photo studio, which also makes this a weird episode for Hitomi not to show up. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But no, and uh, he gets pushed down. And then the the biker game's like, oh, dad? What? Yeah.
0: And he's just a very sad old man. Yeah,
1: it's. He falls down a lot in what, in a different episode, would be a comedic manner, but in what this episode is kind of a sad and depressing manner. Yep. And this whole conversation between the gang as they go off and Biker Dad. uh, He is not a biker, but I'm going to refer to him as Biker Dad. And Takoya, it's it's just all real awkward.
0: Yes, it's very strange. And this is the framing where in a 30-minute American television program made for children, you immediately recognize, oh, okay, they're framing this so that they can have a tearful reunion at the end. So the son will learn the lesson, whatever.
1: I mean, there's going to be a tearful reunion at the end. That, that, that is, is true.
0: So, Takoya now just spends some time chilling with Motorcycle Dad? D- did they know each other before this? or? No. They are just bonding in this moment, I think, because Takoya is mourning his father and Motorcycle Dad is mourning his son. His son's not dead. His son's just a jerk. Right. But they're seeing in each other what they wish they had.
1: Does Takoya do this with every person he has ever met? (laughs) I think so. He just instantly connects to their deepest sort of pain and, you know, empathizes with that. Before something inevitably is going to happen terribly to them. And then he'll swear, right, Iron Cross Army. Got to deal with that.
0: Right. Someday. Yep. Motorcycle dad does tell Takoya, hey, thanks. You have renewed my will to live.
1: He says that with his words, but I see that man's face.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely not What what is communicated in any other way. No. So, all right. A few things are going on now. The police are fighting with the bikers. Uh, Takoya's spidey senses have tingled, so he's climbing up on a roof to look for the hearse.
1: Yep. The the police fight with the bikers is great because they shout over the loudspeaker, I order you to stop driving recklessly. <laughs> that is very that's, good. It's like, all right, yeah, that's that's going to bring him in, guys.
0: <laughs> and the Amazonist goes to Professor Monster, and she's like, Hey, this uh, Ascot-wearing motorcycle dude has spirit. He seems like your type of dude. You should make him into a chameleon monster.
1: Sure, that's a thing we do around here.
0: Yeah, we just yeah, that sounds great. A Professor Monster in fact says, "Yes, it is time to create the biker chameleon." Which again, oh. the words promise a lot more than the show gives us.
1: Yes. Biker chameleon. Yes, they do. That
0: sounds great. I want biker chameleon.
1: I mean, he's he's got to probably fight against uh the street sharks, I would think. Yeah,
0: right. We grew up in the late 80s. We yeah. had biker mice from Mars. We had yeah. cowboys of Moo Mesa. Yeah,
1: I'm pretty sure those was 90s programs, but yes. Yep.
0: Yeah, okay, yep. Ninja Turtles in the 80s. Like, we, yep. this is right in my wheelhouse. Yeah. Do I want a biker chameleon? Yes, please. So so disappointing. is going to spend a little bit of time just like looking at his dad's picture and being sad.
1: Yep. Uh, uh, remembering, you know, we do some flashbacks to his dad dying and Takoya still being sad and Takoya just sort of feeling guilty for everything for, I guess, not being Spider-Man earlier, but then also for currently being Spider-Man and still not stopping the Iron Cross army.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) And, and motorcycle dad is missing his son, but that's going to resolve in a very different way because his son's going to come home. And just, like, slap him around and yell that he needs some money.
1: Yeah, he's going to do a shakedown on Dad. Uh, Insult the amount of money Dad has. And Dad tells him to get out and never return. I have no son.
0: Yeah, it's a big bummer. That is not close to the low point of the episode, though.
1: No, because, uh, spoiler alert, those are going to be the last words they say to one another. Yep, absolutely. Because... <laughs> a biker boy is just going to get hit by a car when he walks outside the building. Now, what is not apparent to the father, but is definitely apparent to us as they load him into the ambulance and drive him away. Well, wait a minute. That's the only vehicle here. So that definitely meant that the ambulance was what ran him down. Super convenient because it was driven by the Amazonas.
0: Yep. They have harvested a body is what's gone on here. Yep. And they're going to create themselves a biker chameleon.
1: I mean, that's what they're going to call that monster.
0: (laughs) It's a sad, it's a real sad looking chameleon. It's a real sad chameleon.
1: Yeah, but we're not there yet. So,
0: Takoya finds his dad's sad diary. Right. Where his dad writes about wishing he had spent more time with his son.
1: Right. And and all
0: of his children, to be fair.
1: And sort of relents on apparently what his wish was that Takoya grew up and did science, which, uh, dad, you really should have invested that uh, feeling in your daughter who definitely did grow up and is learning science. Yes. Shinko,
0: ta- Shinko is the child who is following in your footsteps.
1: Yeah, she's good at it. Like, Takoya <laughs> never was going to do that. He likes, he likes his bikers.
0: Yeah. He likes and, being a biker gentleman. Right. And is it just me
1: or is dad's message a little dismissive of, like, I should have learned to let you do whatever you want to do and you're not going to follow my path. But by the way, you're only a real man if you live up to the choices you've made, which I think is a backhanded with great power comes responsibility.
0: Yeah, but it definitely comes across like, well, I guess if I were a good dad, I would have just been okay with you having real dumb hobbies. (laughs) Right. (laughs) <laughs> okay, but a key thing here is that while he is reading the sad diary and uh, Maso is getting taken, uh, Maso's dad, Biker dad, gets a look at the Amazonas' face.
1: Yes, I couldn't tell if my video had stopped, but no, that was an intentional choice for that face to freeze frame in in yes. Biker dad's head.
0: There's a brief moment where Takoya and Biker Dad reconnect, and then Spider-Man goes hunting.
1: Yes. Calls up some Interpol guys.
0: Yep. Gets in the GP7. While while Spider-Man leaves the injured and old and tired Motorcycle Dad, he's going to get, the Motorcycle Dad, to be clear, is going to get into a pedestrian traffic accident. With the Amazoness,
1: Right. Who he recognizes and then starts tailing her car, apparently with super speed or something. Because I don't know how he's in the city. She's right. driving a car. He is how is this doddering hobbled. old man tracking her down?
0: Yeah. His entire thing is that he sustained leg injuries earlier this episode.
1: Yeah. And he wasn't. Look, I'm, I'm going to make a judgment call. He wasn't running no marathons before that?
0: Sure. Yep. That is accurate. And so Amazon just drives home and Professor Monster yells at her and says, How were you so careless as to be followed in your car by a tired, wounded old man
1: on And foot? then he disintegrates like an elk head on the wall with his eye?
0: What was that about? They just had, like, a a hunting trophy on the wall?
1: Yeah. I I know what the disintegration was about, which is saying, like, don't fail me or the next thing to get disintegrated is you.
0: Sure. Okay. Yep. I
1: don't know why there are elk heads on the wall of this science facility.
0: So does he just... Like, does he keep a stock of these things around for intimidation purposes?
1: Just, yeah, he doesn't ever actually dismiss any of his goons, but he likes to think that it would be better if they thought he would. Right. So, yeah, there's just a supply of deer heads in the storage cabinet.
0: So, like, after this scene cuts, there's just some sad ninder who has to go to, like, the elkhead closet and hang another one up? Yep. (laughs) All
1: right. This is the kind of show canon that you can use.
0: (laughs) So Amazonis, uh, annoyed at her personal failure, sets out to solve it. And she finds uh, Biker Dad in a phone booth trying to call Takoya.
1: Yep, because he's you know, located the iron cross army unbeknownst right. to him, Takoya had also at that very moment located the iron cross. Yeah. Army.
0: Spider-Man is like just across the road here in time to watch biker dad just get shot in the head. I thought he got shot through the heart, but either way, oh yeah, you might be right. Either way.
1: I was not expecting a fatal assassination by bullets through a phone booth.
0: Biker Dad has had himself a real miserable, like, last several years, but also yeah. a real miserable afternoon. <laughs> it's yep, been a his, bad episode for his Biker His last
1: Dad. words to his son were, I have no son, and before he could reconcile, the Amazonist shot him dead
0: in a phone booth. Yeah, just stone cold killed him.
1: He doesn't even get last words. Like, he is dead nope. by the time Takoya gets there.
0: Yeah, it it's cold. Yeah, it's so cold. This whole episode is just like a giant bummer. Which I, you yeah. Know, to be fair, life is a giant bummer sometimes. I get it. Yep. I just continually don't expect it to be reflected this clearly in children's programming.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's another shoe to drop in a minute too.
0: Yeah. So, Spider-Man does some sneaky sneaks, mm-hmm. and finds the chameleon. Yep. Turns out the chameleon has acid spit, I think.
1: Yeah. So before we get into this, Takoya calls out and he's like, Huh, ah, the Amazonist just killed your father. And the Amazonist just points out, yeah, once they're machine BEM, none of that human brain stuff matters anymore. Yep. That's not, that's not like a ploy where the power of love will win over. No, it's absolutely true. This lizard being cares nothing for the death of his father.
0: Yeah, it's, it's man, like, just to drive one more nail into the coffin of this miserable old man.
1: Yeah, and uh, this is the exact words I have. Spider-Man attacked by the chameleon, who looks more like the Spider-Man villain, the lizard, who shoots acid like some variations of the Spider-Man villain, the scorpion.
0: That is 100% correct. Well summed up. Spider-Man also, you may recall that Spider-Man usually enters the scene by shouting, The emissary from hell, Spider-Man! Yeah. And in this week's episode, he enters the scene by shouting, A man moved by parents' love, Spider-Man!
1: Ah, <laughs> oh, that is such a disappointing way to do <laughs> this particular episode.
0: Yeah, because it's it's, like, it's, he shouts that right before the Amazon, it's just like, Yeah, no. Yeah. There's nothing left.
1: I mean, like, you you might be, but his parents love, one, his parent is dead, and two, that love is no longer a motivating factor yep. for this chameleon guy. Like, sorry, there's no going back.
0: Also, while man moved by the love of a parent is a much better motivation for basically any actual human, like, that's right. great. If yep. that is your descriptor of yourself as a person, good for you. Far less of a threatening, like, hero tagline than emissary from hell. That's
1: true. That's true. I mean, I'm I'm certain that in certain contexts, like, if you were breaking in to, you know, save your child or something, it okay, might seem yep. more threatening. But in this particular context, where he's speaking vaguely about his already dead father and biker guy's already dead father... Yep. And biker guy play, isn't going to buy thing. in. Yeah, it's this episode is a real bummer.
0: This is that's basically it because now he the chameleon biker chameleon grows giant. Yep. And then the episode ends as every episode ends.
1: Arc turns sword vigor death. Yep. All caps I write everyone died.
0: Everyone died. Everyone died. And then uh Takoya left some flowers at Biker Dad's house.
1: Yes, as Biker Gang drives by in the background. And I can't tell. It seems a little bit like Takoya is still annoyed that they're not the good version of Biker Gang.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't... He's. It does seem like there's some sense of Takoya. He's like, he's mourning, he's dropping these flowers off at the doorstep of a... Uh, of a recently departed man. And he's just sort of shaking his head like, ah, those dudes disrespecting the noble art of motorcycle.
1: This episode says to be continued, and I have no idea how that's possible.
0: (laughs) I don't think there's a part two. It's just sometimes Spider-Man reminds us that, like, the story's not... Because it just says to be continued sometimes.
1: Right. I I mean, there were previews of bikers in next week's episode. but the rest of the plot for that next episode does not seem to to track. I I don't know. This 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 show is normally an insane trip and that is where the fun comes in, but man, this particular one is is just like a 10 on the bummer scale. It is. This is a
0: giant bummer.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, we have definitely laid the stakes that the Iron Cross Army is absolutely playing for keeps. Like, yeah, no. They're just going to shoot an old man in a phone booth.
0: Yep, that's it. This episode was just about a sad old man being killed in a phone booth.
1: Yep, and uh, we also learned that once Machine BEM is created, like, that's all she wrote.
0: Yeah, that was a... That sure was a, a thing to learn. Yep. I feel like we got a bit of that earlier because... Like, some old friend of Spider-Man in an early episode had been, like, taken by Machine Bem and, like, was trying to fight through it.
1: Yeah, but we've just more or less confirmed, like, no, nobody fights through it.
0: Yep. There's no hope. (laughs) And I guess that's going to do it for another episode of The Spider-Man Who Loved Me.
1: I feel like I wish we would have known more going into this episode and maybe said, ah, oh, it's a lost episode. Yeah. <laughs> but mm, no. It's a, it's a sad day for for Spider Man and his spider friends.
0: <laughs> so, uh, Brian, before we officially finish up here, I would like to remind the listeners that you can email the show at super brothers at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to get updates on future episodes or check out the things that Matt and Dave are talking about on the show, they're on Twitter at Super Sentai Bros. Uh, you can find me at RO Radio. You can find Brian manning the Twitter account for Mount Olympus Pod, which is the show that the two of us are regularly on. Yep. As always, if you like this show, find whatever review mechanism that your podcatcher of choice uses. And, you know, review it positively. The Super Sentai Buddies are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. Uh, Once again, we are the Super Sentai Buddies. I'm Mark. I'm Brian. And we will see you next time for the greatest show on Earth. Spider-Man. Spider-Man.